Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Come on, this is going to be a good day in the house. I'm excited to be here this morning. I hope you are too. This is a good day for a lot of reasons, right? Number one, Eagles made the playoffs, right? We're playing today. No, somebody? No, no, no. All right, I'm alone in that. Well, I heard the Cowboys kind of squeaked in last week too. Barely, barely winning the last game of the season. But hey, I'm just excited because I'm excited to be, if you guys have been a part of Warehouse Church and come the past few weeks, you know that we're going through an awesome series right now and kind of just going through our theme for the year of being ready. I love that word because that's, that's not a small word. That's kind of a big, bold word, like saying, are we ready? Are we ready for God to move in our lives? Are we ready to listen to God? You know, I love what Pastor Ed said uh, the other week talking about, are we coming ready for church? Right? Not just coming and, oh man, I made it right before the message started, or I made it, I made it after the second song, or I, you know, I squeezed in right here, but prioritizing church in our life and coming ready. You know, Pastor Ed has been challenging us to bring our Bible, to bring, uh, download that version app, to come ready for that, to hear from God's Word. I hope you did that this morning, because we are going to be diving deep into God's Word this morning. I know Chris Williams would have loved this right? Chris Williams would love this. I love that Erin got to come up here and welcome everybody. I just, I love that. She got to plug her life group. She has, leads an awesome, awesome life group. Um, and if you remember the other week, the other week, we actually got to affirm and to honor some of the leaders in our church. I don't know you, I just loved being able to do that. I love that, you know, what Pastor Ed said of, um, it's not that they are going to start leading, right? That they are already leading in all these areas, right? And I just love that we got to honor them through that. And we got to do the VMAs after, right? Our volunteer ministry awards. Who else loved that? Love the, man, the food. I, you can't go wrong with babes. Like you really cannot go wrong with babes ever. I feel like that is like the catering company of Warehouse Church. That's never going to change. But I just love last week so, so much. I'm excited about this week. Uh, we're continuing this series of being ready. And this week we're specifically going to be talking about, are we ready to share our faith? And if you brought your, brought your Bible, you downloaded that YouVersion app, we're going to be starting in this verse. And this is kind of going to be the overview of the message this morning. And that's in 1 Peter 3.15 where it says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Man, I love that Peter is saying this to us because he's teaching us this, right? But then we also see in God's word, that he also lives it out and lives that example to us and shows us that in his word. And I want to continue reading, but we're going to read actually in Acts 3, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to kind of see this example that Peter sets before us of defending your faith, having a defense to everyone that asks for the reason of the hope that's in us. So I'm going to read this for us. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every single day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his full attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he 
helped him up, taking his right hand, he helped him up, and instantly this man's feet and ankles became strong, and he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping, praising the name of Jesus. Now, I love, I love this story, right? Because I want to break this down for us a little bit. We see that this man that was, was lame from birth, right? He was broken from birth, right? Every single day, he had to be carried to the temple to beg for the same thing, to beg for change every single day from the same people, every single day. He wasn't able to help himself to get a job or a career, a life. He had to be helped every single day. This man was in this cycle of brokenness. And you can kind of just imagine, like, putting yourself in his shoes, that his future just probably began to wane in his life, right? Like, I can't even imagine what this man must be thinking every single day. But then, the interesting thing is when you read this, you actually kind of see a lot of contradictions in his life, right? Like, when you see him, that he's being set before the temple, right? Every single morning, he's sitting before the temple, a place that's supposed to be a place for healing, but he's broken, Right? He's sitting under this gate that's called beautiful because it is aligned with all gold and silver. It is absolutely amazing, but he is sitting underneath it begging for change. Right? But then we see the story gets pretty good. Right? Then we see God's people enter the story. Peter and John enter into this man's life, and they see an opportunity, and they take advantage of it. And I love that it says this. It says they saw this man, and they looked directly at him and said, look at us. And that kind of challenged me as I was reading this, because how many times do we in our lives see people on the side of the streets asking for money, asking for food, and be honest with ourselves, how many times do we just pick up our phone and pretend like we don't see them? And we avoid eye contact, right? I don't think I'm alone Like when we say we've maybe all done that. But it says Peter and John saw this opportunity, and he said, they saw this man and they said, look at us. Look at us. And the man looked at them expecting something from them. Expecting something from them. And I love that Peter and John said, guess what, gold and silver we don't have, but guess what, you've been sitting under gold and silver this whole time, and that has not changed you. But what we do have is so much greater. And I'm going to give that to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And I love that it doesn't say that he just got up, started walking into the temple, and it was all casual. Like, he got up, and it says he was walking and jumping into the temple with John and Peter, praising the name of Jesus. I mean, that's pretty cool. That's an awesome testimony. Peter and John saw this opportunity and took advantage of it. And as we continue throughout, these, throughout this chapter, we see actually that the priests and the leaders, the elders of this time, actually started going a little nuts over this. They started questioning Peter and John. They started questioning the man that was healed, and it actually led to the arrest of Peter and John because they healed this man, right? And as they were brought before the Sanhedrin, as they were brought before the courts and the rulers of this time, Peter was asked to give an account and give the reason that he healed this man. And when he was asked about the hope that was in him, he was asked about the hope that was in him. This is his response. I'm going to continue reading in verse Uh, chapter 4, verse 8, and says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if if we are being called today to account for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Now that's pretty bold, right? Like he's talking to the rulers and leaders of this time, already being arrested, saying it is by Jesus Christ who you crucified killed, right? It is in his name. 
And it says that this man was raised, that in, sorry, whom you crucified, but in the name of God that he raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could do or say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny that. But we have to stop this thing from spreading. We have to stop the name of Jesus from spreading. So we must warn these men to speak no longer in this name. Then they called them in again, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, now this is a bold statement, ready? I love this, ready? It says, but Peter and John replied, judge for yourself whether it is right in God's sight for us to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help but speak about what God has done in our life. We can't help it about speaking about the hope that is in us. I just love this because Peter teaches us that we need to be ready to give a defense of our faith and the hope that is in us. And then he lives it out for us. Right? We see in the beginning of these few verses, Peter presents the gospel to them so much so that these leaders actually realize, wow, these, these unschooled ordinary men, these, these people must have been walking with Jesus, right? And then they said, commanded them not to speak in that name. And they said, but we cannot help but speak for what God has done in our life and the hope that is in us. They were ready to share their faith every opportunity they got. And I want us to look at that too. I want us to, to lead by that example. I want us to get ready to share our faith. And the first thing we need to know in order to do that is to know that you believe. Simply put, know that you believe. Have confidence in knowing that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In Acts 16, it says, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. In 1 John 5, 11, it says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. These things I have written to you to believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. We're supposed to have confidence in our relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can continue to share the hope that lies within us. So the first thing is knowing that you believe. Number two is know what you believe. Going back to that verse in 1 Peter, but it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready, always be ready to give a defense of the hope that lies in you. And how do we do that? How do we be ready this morning? Right, that's that big question. How do we be ready for this? Well, we grow in our knowledge of Jesus. We grow in our knowledge of him. You do that by getting into his word, not just saying, you know, I want to dive into your word. I'm going to, start, I'm going to try to read it every morning, not just trying to, but actually doing it, reading his word, praying over it, diving deep into it, realizing that's how we're going to draw, draw closer to God. Praying with him constantly, not just, rep, you know, just this repetitive over dinner, over lunch kind of prayer, but praying for your family, praying for your friends, praying for opportunities for God to show up in your life. 
getting involved in life groups. I love that Erin was plugging her life group because guess what? Life groups are so important for us to draw closer to God. There's a reason that we talk about life groups almost every single week is because we believe in the importance of them. Coming together with brothers and sisters in Christ and just talking with each other and, and growing together and learning and diving into the Bible and affirming one another, challenging one another, keeping each other accountable. That's when we grow together. We see so, so much growth through that. I love that I get to be a part of uh, Chris and Kevin's group and we're diving through, we're just going deep into God's word right now and my other men's group that we're, we're going through the New Testament right now. I just love that we get to do that together and grow together. So if you're not a part of a life group, I want to encourage you to do so. It is such a great way for us to grow together in our knowledge of Jesus. And then also, I love what Pastor Ed has been talking about, about prioritizing church. Growing your knowledge of Jesus by prioritizing church. Coming to church ready. Ready for God to use you, to be an encouragement to someone that needs it this morning. Not just rushing through that door and just being like, whew, I made it, let's go. And then pop back out. Right? We need to start making church a priority in our life because so, it is just seeming like nowadays church is becoming not even an option. It's becoming less and less of an option in our life. It just seems like other things are just taking place and it's just dropping lower and lower down our list. Or, my kid's got this going on. Or, man, work's been crazy. I just need a day. Or, man, my schooling is doing this. And whatever it may be, we can come up with excuses. That's easy. But sometimes we got to prioritize our prioritize church because if we don't, we can't be surprised when our kids, our family, our friends, those that we love will never prioritize it. They're going to look to us. We got to set that example for them. Start getting more involved in church. Start coming to church ready for God to use you. And then if the gospel and good news about Jesus is the most important thing in your life, know this, you will naturally talk about it. If it is the most important thing in your life, are you talking about it like it is? Because we can talk about, and I could sit up here and talk about how Jalen Hurts is going to be running for touchdowns all day today. Right? I'm going to be talking about how Dak Prescott's going to throw, so, throw three picks or something, right? I could do that all day. But guess what? I can, I can do that for hours. I could share about this TV show or this movie I watched. I could talk about my family. I could talk about my little son, Bowie, for this entire time, easily because he's so important in my life, right? The Eagles are pretty important too, but man, I could talk about Bowie forever. But guess what? If Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life, my conversation better reflect that. And if it's not, is it even true? Like our conversation has to reflect the priority of Jesus in our life. If it's not, we got some reevaluation to do, Right? If Jesus and the good news of Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life, we are naturally going to talk about it. But so many times, it seems like we try to hold it back in conversations and we don't share for whatever reason. Maybe we're scared or we're worried how that person's going to perceive us or how they're going to take it or how they're going to look at us afterwards or for whatever reason, we seem to just take it off the conversation table because it's easier that way, just to avoid it, right? Keep everything status quo. How many people here have ever just had, like, the worst haircut ever? Just a few people, right? Well, there was, there was one time, I promise you, my dad still makes fun of me for this haircut on, like, a month-to-month basis. That's how bad this haircut was. But 
Who here has ever, after they got a haircut, looked at their barber or their hairdresser after spending all this time, care, and attention for like an hour on their hair, on your hair, and looked at them after they said, hey, I do a good job. Do you like it? Right? I gave it all, my, I, gave it all I got. Right? And you looked at them and said, it's awful. You're terrible at your job. I hate it. Like, has anyone ever like, conf- I don't know about you, but like, I-, I could send food back at a restaurant. I can come up with some road rage too and here can share, share some truth with some people. But when it comes to like my barber, they can give me the worst haircut and I will always say it's great. Like I just cannot, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but I feel so guilty about sharing with them like, no, it's, it's fine. I'm just going to keep it to myself, right? Like, like I got this haircut. I went, we had a family hairdresser like all growing up and she went on vacation, right? So I had to go to a different place. Like school pictures were coming up. I was like 13 and I know, right? It's like the most important thing in your life. It's the most important day in your life is 13-year-old school pictures. And we went to a place called the Scissor Whiz. I should have known from the name of it that I shouldn't have went in. And I went in, and I'm telling you, this guy gave me the bowl cut of a lifetime. It was unreal. And I'm tell- can I tell you something? When you're 13 years old, those kids can be mean to you sometimes. Like that was like, that's like the worst thing that could ever happen to you in your entire life. And I remember he, he finally got finished and he looked, turned around, I finally looked in the mirror and you're like, oh, oh, my life is over. Like you just don't even know what to do. And he looks at me and he's like, so is it good? Do you like it? And of course I'm like, it's great. You did so good. I'm so happy. And my dad's sitting over there. I'm not even I'm, He's sitting over there and he's like, you like, that's good. You're, ha- you're happy with that. And he puts a magazine over his face, because that's when there used to be magazines where you were at, right? And started audibly laughing out loud. Everyone heard it. I'm like, let's just go. I got up. We paid like, it was like $4 haircut, so I really should have known. I'm not even kidding. It was like four bucks. I think my dad tipped him pretty well just because he thought it was funny. But I remember like, I just couldn't share with him the truth. I was like, I'd rather just not tell him because I don't want him to be upset with me. I don't want him to like look at me and be like, man, I'm so angry at you or I'm upset at you or I just didn't want to share with it. So I kept it off the conversation table. But how many times do we do that in our walk with God that we would rather just leave it out of the conversation because it's easier that way, right? Well, that's not what Peter and John are telling us to do here. We can come up with excuse after excuse, week in and week out, why not to share with somebody? Man, I can't share with this person right now. He's going through too much. This is not the right time. Or now this week, I'm going through too much. Or my kids are being a lot. Man, I I can't even focus on that. Work is crazy right now. There's no time for me to consider doing anything like that. I can't do it right now. It is so easy for us to come up with excuses weekend, week out, for an entire lifetime, year after year. That's easy to come up with excuses. Can I tell you something? That excuse and these opportunities that you're missing aren't going to last a lifetime. They're going to last an eternity. When we miss these opportunities to share with people about our faith and to be ready to share our faith with somebody about the hope that's in us. But too many times we just start living for the approval of others and that keeps us from our purpose for God. We have to take that away. We have to start being ready to share our faith. And that leads us into point three, and that's to share your story for his glory. Share your story for his glory. I want to share with you something, a time in my life where God just got a hold of me, wrecked me, dropped me to my knees, and just did something huge in my life. I'm going to plug 
youth camp here, okay? If Johnny, Pastor Johnny Papera was in here, he'd be psyched because he's already getting ready for youth camp. If you got kids that age, make sure to send them to youth camp this summer because it is absolutely life-changing when you are there for like four days and just surrounded by God's presence for four days. It's just life-changing, I promise you that. And I remember being in around, right in the beginning of high school, right? Like I grew up in a great home. Church was a priority in my family's life, right? Like we went to, maybe a lot of you guys can um, connect with me on this. Like we went to church Sunday school on Sunday morning, then we'd have church afterwards, Tuesday visitation, which for any like teenager is the best day ever. Like I love spending my Tuesday afternoon doing visitation, <laughs> right? Then I'd have youth group after that, right? And then there was usually Wednesday night church. Then there was like a Friday or Saturday youth event. Then it was Sunday again, right? Like this, was, this was kind of what we did. And I, I, I enjoyed it, I did. But it was never really personal to me. It was something I did because, you know, my family did it. But for me, it was never personal. And I remember going to this youth camp and hearing this, this speaker speak, like, directly to me. Do you ever get like that? Like, when, the, when like, a pastor had speaking, you're like, he is speaking directly into my soul. Right? Like, like, how does he know this about my life? Well, that was happening. Like, if you know, like, like youth camp, I was like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday rolled around, nothing. Like, I was just focused on winning the basketball tournament. I was just ready for that. Like, be done speaking. Let's go. I got to win this and take this home to, take this home to the church, right? Like, that's all that mattered because that's all I cared about. But I remember Thursday night came around, and if you guys know, Thursday night is when the speaker brings it. Like, it's the last night. It, like, he was ready. And let me tell you something. It felt like he was speaking, like, directly at me. And I remember that when he like invited everyone up to the stage and invited people to, to invite Christ into their life and to make that change in their life, that I remember there was like this huge exodus, like everybody went up. And I've seen that happen before, but I've never seen it at this level. Like there was probably 400, 400 of us at this camp. And I remember looking around, like I know God was doing something in my life, but I was like frozen, right? And all of a sudden I look around for the first time and there was probably only a couple dozen of us that were still at our chairs. That's how many people moved up and went to the front to make like, decisions. But at this time, I was just like frozen, and I didn't know what to do. And all of a sudden, I just broke down at my seat. I just started breaking down. And instead of actually going up to the front, I actually left the auditorium and went into a room and was just like crying and praying and going through those verses that I, I knew in Romans where it says, you know, in Romans 3 that I, I believed I was a sinner and needed forgiveness. And in Romans 6 that I, I earned death, but God forgave me and gave me eternal life through his son. And then in Romans 9, 10, and 13 that I confess, believe, and receive Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And I remember just praying that and declaring that to him and just, just breaking down over that. And then since then, I just knew that my my personal relationship with Jesus was just that much closer, that we were just walking together at that moment. But I don't share this story to elevate myself or to elevate, man, look what I did here and look what happened here. We share our story not to elevate ourselves, but to elevate Jesus, not ourselves. We share our story to say, man, I was messed up, broken, screwed up. I was living selfish life. I was living to please my own pleasures and desires but Jesus, right? I love those two words, but Jesus intervened on my behalf, but he came into my life and changed me and gave me that hope that I needed in my life. We don't share to elevate ourselves. We share to elevate the name of Jesus. We share to identify with people that need Jesus. We share our story 
to identify with people, to say, man, I've been there. I've been broken. I've been messed up, but I have this hope I want to give you. Right? We share to identify with those that need Jesus. We share so that they will come to know him as their personal savior. And we share because the Lord told us to. Our faith is meant to be put into action. It's meant to be shared. If we want to see God move in our lives and in our church, it starts with us. It starts with us taking steps, not just standing still, but actually taking these steps and saying, I'm ready for God to do something, but not just saying it, doing it. Right? We're doing this whole thing like we, everyone does resolutions in the beginning of the year, right? Right? We got this resolution, man, I want to read through the Bible this year, and I want to start praying more. I want to start doing devotions with my, my family but then next week comes around and you start to, start to slow down a little bit, right? Priority of it starts to shift, right? And then the following week comes around and it starts to shift even more and you just see it more as an option, right? And then come February, it's out of your mind because the distractions of your life took over and you're back into this cycle of making church and, and God and your relationship with him optional and not a priority in your life. It's kind of like if you've ever been... <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that about this, but I've just, me and Katie were super late for our connection flight one time, right? Like we were traveling from somewhere and I, we got off the flight and we we're like, man, we got to book it, right? Has anyone ever been there where it's like, I am going to miss this and you're panicking because for some reason it's like the worst thing in the world. And I remember we're booking it through this airport and then all of a sudden we see the greatest thing known to man. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, something better than that. That moving platform that's on your right. I feel like the cart's a little slow. But that moving platform that's on your right, I was like, let's go, Katie, this is where we make up our time, let's go. And we hopped on there, and I felt like we were flying, like we were going like 30 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, just the worst possible sin thing that you could do in your entire life was standing in front of me. You were just, someone over there was standing right in the middle of the platform, suitcase on both sides, not moving. I don't know about you, but I believe when you're on a moving platform at an airport, you're supposed to move. Like, you're not just supposed to stand there. Like, no, it's not like your break time. Get up, move. This is where I make up my ground. And I was so upset. I'm telling you, that, that boils my blood probably more than anything else. I don't know why. But seriously, I mean, sometimes that's kind of what our faith looks like, our walk with God. Like, we, we stand here. We're spectators. We'll be consumers. But are we contributing anything? Or are we just standing still on that moving platform waiting for everyone else to come by and do it, right? Are we looking to the person in front of us, next to us, beside us, saying, all right, yeah, this is great. Go ahead and do it. I'm going to stand back and watch and pretend like I'm doing something. So many of us get stuck playing church rather than living it. We got to be taking these steps of walking closer to God, being ready to share our faith. It's got to start being real in our life because it's going to be known, People will know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If they're shocked by that, then we got to really think about if it's real in our life. Like, it's going to reflect in our life how we live, how we talk. Our friends, our family, our neighbors should know that we have the hope of Jesus in us. Don't keep your faith private. Your story should never end with you. Share your story for his glory. I want to share one last story with you this morning. As I do that, I want to ask, actually ask the band to come up here if they would. I want to share with you one last story because as I was writing this message and, and praying over it and, and just studying it, I honestly kept thinking of this one story in my life because we're reading through these examples of, of Peter and John being ready 
to share the hope of Jesus Christ, be ready to share their story and take advantage of every single opportunity that came their way. And I remember I was just thinking of a time, actually a specific person that a lot of you may know. Um, If you don't know, he was actually part of our church for a a long time. Um, He passed away a few years ago and his name was Brother Frank Gillespie. And uh, Brother Frank was a, a missionary for a, basically his whole life. And, you know, me and Katie were missionaries for a little over five years. And I'll be honest with you, I mean, we loved every minute of it, but it was challenging and tiring at so many points. Because we would be gone and traveling for 45 plus weeks a year, and we'd come back and we'd be setting up new projects or talking with these pastors and planting these churches and and speaking here and going here. And it was just constant. Like I felt like I lived on a plane sometimes. And I remember coming back and just being able to relax. I I came back to church, came back to Warehouse Church and just was like, just relax. And I remember every single time that we came back here, the first person that came up to me every single time was Frank. And uh, um, he was just always the biggest encourager ever, right? I mean, he would always ask me, come up to me and just say, man, how's it been? What have you been up to? And I would share with him and he would just look at me with like the most love in his heart and his eyes and just be like, man, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. And all he wanted to do was to get back on the field and just be able to continue to share his story with everybody. Right? Like if you know him, I want you to verbally agree with that, right? Like let them, like, he was just a man on a mission to share with every single person that he knew. Everybody that knew him knew that he had the hope of Jesus in him. Everybody. And I remember I was blessed and honored to be able to go on a mission trip with him a couple years ago. And uh, I remember on this trip, we went to a place in Guatemala called The Dump. And I know I've shared this with you guys before sometimes, but I know many of you might not know what that is. This place literally called the dump because a community of, I don't know, thousands of people live in one of the biggest dumps in Central America. They live in this. And what they do for work every single day is they go into this dump. Family, adults, kids go into this dump. And as these trash trucks come in, they bid for each truck. Anyone with money, whatever little change they have, they bid for these trucks, just hoping that they can find something in it. They get this truck, they sift through it, and they just hoping that they can find something. I'm not kidding, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Something to eat, something to clothe their body, to put on their shelter, their home. These, these homes are really just pieces of wood and cloth, and just, it's nothing. And then when they're done, they put all the trash back in the truck, and there's about five levels to this. People with less money bid for it. It goes down. They put it back. So these people are getting rid of this trash that someone's already thrown away and saying, now this is trash. It's going to the next person. And they're looking to live on this until you get to the very bottom. And it's the most heartbreaking thing you'll ever see in your life. That these kids and these families that have nothing. And I've started to kind of hate that word in my life because we don't use it in the right context. You know, like, man, I got no food in my fridge. I got nothing in the bank, right? I got no time for this. If I tell you something, you don't know, understand what nothing is until you see that. They had nothing, and that's what they had to live on. And I remember just seeing them fight for this, this trash that so many people of other, other people have already looked through. And they're fighting 
Like if you've been on a trip, you know exactly, you know I'm not exaggerating with this. They're fighting like vultures to get this food. There's hundreds of vultures all around us and they're fighting them to get, I guess, first pick. But I remember we were in this area, we were at the church in the feeding center and you just see that they just have this hope in their life because they have the hope of Jesus. And it's crazy to see that because we kind of take advantage of what we have a little bit and take it for granted. But I remember when we were there, I remember looking around and all of a sudden I lost Frank. Like I'm supposed to keep it, like make sure everyone was okay, make sure everyone was, was safe because this is not, this is a pretty tough area, just to be honest. And I remember we lost Frank and I was looking around frantically and I finally found him like the street over, like in this, in this area. And I started freaking out because he's talking to these like two young 20 year old guys that were literally getting high on glue as they were talking with Frank. And I'm freaking out. And I'm like, I ran over and I'm like, Frank, 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 are you okay? Is everything all right? What are you doing over here? Everything all right? And he just looked at me so calmly and just said, Nick, I'm good. I just saw these two guys and I just felt like they needed to hear about Jesus. And I remember the entire time we were there, he shared with them, had a conversation with them. They were asking questions and he got to pray with them before we left. And I remember just thinking, wow, have I ever taken an opportunity like that? I ever saw, saw someone like Peter and John saw someone begging on the side of the street and said, man, they need to hear about Jesus. I need to share that hope that I have with them. But so many times we just get distracted by our life and say, nope, I'm too busy. I can't do this. And we just, we, we talk about being ready, but we get so distracted by our own lives and our own desires and pleasures in our life. And we just get distracted. We have to start actually being ready to share our faith and actually putting that into action. I believe with all my heart that God is going to do something huge this year, huge in our lives, huge here at Warehouse. Can I tell you something? That starts with each and every single one of us. That's not, that doesn't start with us looking to the person in front of us and behind us and saying, yeah, you're right, Nick. They got to do more. No, it starts with us saying, I'm going to be ready for God to do something in my life. I'm going to be ready for God to move in my life. I'm going to be ready to take advantage of every single opportunity that God puts in my life because I know that that person there, that God put in there in my life because they need to hear about Jesus. Making sure that we spend every single week, making sure that we're bringing someone to church, prioritizing that in our life. Because I tell you something, church is not over when this, this timer hits zero, which it's dangerously close to hitting zero. <laughs> But it does not end when that timer hits zero. That's when it starts. It starts when we leave this building and we start living our life for Christ. We start living our life ready for him to move in our life. But we gotta start saying, God, God, move in my life. I'm ready. I'm gonna put aside all these distractions and every, everything else, all these greedy things that I'm putting in priority over you. I'm gonna let you move in my life. And I'm gonna celebrate you because of that. Because guess what? I, if we want 2022 to be the biggest year, we gotta start prioritizing that. Because we can go through this year after year and say, man, I wanna do something for God. I wanna do something big for God. But then next month rolls around and we start slowing down. Then comes 2023 and we're like, man, I wish I did more. We gotta start doing something now about it. Start making that change in our life now, being ready right now for God to use us. Because I wanna come back here 2023, and I hope you do too and say, wow, look what God did in my life. Not look what I did, but look what God did in my life. 
Look at the change he had in my life, in my family's life. Look how he restored my, fa- my marriage. Look what he did in my kid's life. Right there serving, they're loving Jesus right now. Look what God did in our church. I want to come back in 2023 and say, wow, look what God did. Right, don't you want that? But it starts with every single one of us saying, I'm going to take those necessary steps in my life. I'm going to let God move in my life. Right, I want to be a part of what God is doing here at Warehouse Church. I'm going to start going all in. I asked the band to come up because I wanted to sing this song one more time. Because I loved this song this morning. Saying, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. I want to ask you guys to stand with me. And as we sing this song, I want you to make that your declaration this morning. Remember why we're here this morning. That we're here to worship the name of Jesus Christ that died for us, died for our sins. That we came here to worship him. Not just to sit in silence and don't just listen to these words being sung. Don't just look at these words on the screen. Sing them out. Lift your hands to Jesus. Lift your voices to Jesus. Don't worry about who's next to you, in front of you, behind you. Worry about, man, I don't have a good voice. Guess what? I have an awful voice. Katie will say the same thing. I probably have the worst voice here. Don't worry about that. This is between you and God. Give this time to God this morning and say, God, I am ready to make room for you in my life. I'm going to make you a priority. I'm tired of putting you aside, casting you aside, putting you on the back burner and and not prioritizing you in my life. I'm going to make room for you to do whatever you want to. I'm going to be ready for you to move in my life. This is going to be the biggest year. I declare that to you this morning. Let's pray this out to him this morning with everything we got.